Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people were overcome with fear, so he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell them how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In my hand here, I have uh, 20 sealed envelopes. And sealed inside these envelopes are written commitments that people have made to do something differently in their life, to do something to, to change it, make a change somewhere in their lives. In response to what we were doing on the Inside Out course at the Wednesday evening fellowship group, we finished the course on Wednesday night, and about almost the last thing we did was to write out these commitments. Now, the only people who will ever see what's written on them are the, are the people who wrote them. But they, I got them to write their names on the envelope, so that in two or three months' time, I could give them back to them, and they read them again, and be reminded of how they get on with that new commitment. Some of them may go, oh, is that what I wrote? No, hopefully not, but some may. But perhaps some of those commitments will be followed through on. And, uh, and of course, change is very difficult. Um, change like these resolutions, uh, we often find it difficult. We, we, we really want to change, we want to, to do something new, we want to make a commitment. But then something stops us. And very often that something that stops us is fear. And it's not necessarily fear that we're not able to do the thing that we commit ourselves to do. But actually, very often, it's fear of what we might actually do to it. Where might he take us if we were to follow through on this Sometimes it's fear of, of greatness in life. It's fear of, of not just how far this life wanted. 
I remember when I was in business, there was a time when I was offered a very big promotion in, in my job. Um, to run a much bigger section of the, of the company. And, and I, I was afraid of that. It was, it was a great honor to be asked, but I was afraid of it. Because the people who'd done that job before, I was looked up to them and thought, those are amazing people, I can never do anything like that. So much responsibility, so much. And so it's very obvious, it's greatness we're afraid of. Um, and in different ways, when, when I came to faith, I remember the first day that when when God came into my life that first time, I was afraid because I thought, well, my family, they're there, the church goes, they don't know God, what's going to happen, and it's going to cause a problem. And my good friend Chris said to me, he said, if you trust Jesus with your life, he will lead, you will lead your family to Christ. And I was, I was, I had no idea where it was going to take us, and I had fear about that. And the, there are others fear of greatness, and there's this, there's this saying, which uh, there's a, a phrase which um, quite often people attribute to Nelson Mandela, but actually he was only quoting someone else. So the person was Marianne Williamson from a book called A Return to Love, and, and she wrote this Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God within us. But the only question is then, how are we going to overcome the fear that prevents us from moving into all the fullness of, of the life that God has called us into? And what we're going to do this morning, we're going to have a quick look at this passage of the demon-possessed man. It's on page 1037 in the church Bibles. And of course, on the we'll follow there. And we're going to see how much, some clues it might give us in order to get past those fears and to say yes to what God is calling us to. So it begins in verse 26, chapter 8, verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasim, which is across the lake of Galilee. Now, that boat trip, if you'll see in your Bibles, but the story before that one is, is Jesus coming to the That boat trip was the boat trip when the boat ran into a storm and the disciples saw thought they were going to die and they called to Jesus for help and was asleep in the stern and Jesus commanded the waves to be still and demonstrated his power over nature. And then they arrived on the other side of the lake and they get out of the boat it's a bit like getting out of the front pan into the fire because they just walk up the hill of it and run straight into this demon-possessed man. And, and he is in a very sorry state. We, we read in verse 27, Jesus stepped ashore. He was met by a demon-possessed man. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in the house and lived in the tombs. Well, the first thing was, this man was naked when they met him. And then the second thing was, he lived in the tombs. The tombs in those days were not like we have now. They were going to be caves, either natural caves or caves that had been hewn out of the rock. And so they were natural shelters, but what a place to shelter with dead bodies. That's where he was living, this demon possessed man. And the third thing about it is that 
we, as we read on a little bit in, in, in the passage, is that he was suffering from some kind of a, I suppose it must have looked a bit like a sort of multiple personality disorder, caused by demon possession. A whole number of demons. It says in, uh, uh, in verse um, 30 that um, many demons had gone into him. And so bad was his condition that the local people had even developed a strategy of trying to restrain him. It says in verse 29 that many times the demon had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and he was driven by the demon to solitary places. So the, the community had to, to try to restrain him and guard him, but the demons were so powerful, he, he, he broke it away and gone back to the wilderness and then returned to the tombs. And so really, um, this man is beyond hope. There's, there's, there's no hope for him. Um, but the, the people who know him have been like this obviously for years. But of course, there's always hope with Jesus. And Jesus meets this man, and in a sense, it's almost all over before it started. Because he just, I don't think Jesus shouted or screamed at him or anything like that. He, he just commanded the evil spirits to leave. The man, it says in verse 29, Jesus commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. And, um, and that's what happens. And Jesus goes on and he says to the man, what's your name? Now I don't think Jesus says, what's your name, because he's just being pleasant. I think he's trying to bring the man to a point of sort of self-realisation, because his answer is legion. He said, because he's, he's got legions of demons in him. This is, his, this is the, the demons that are coming out, as it were. And, uh, but, but Jesus says, Jesus just commands the spirits to go. And, and it's all over before it begins. Because the man says in verse 28, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? The demons have realized exactly who's standing in front of them. And they know it's game over. The, the power of God is in Jesus is right before them. They don't have any option but to leave the man because God is so much more powerful than evil. But then it, in verse 31, it says, And the demons begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. Well, that's kind of a strange one, isn't it? What does that mean? Well, we learn what that means in Revelation, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 1, where we learn that the abyss was a place where, deep, where evil spirits were confined. And it seems that evil spirits have one of two options for existence. Either when they possess a living body, you get a man or, in this case, uh, as we'll see in a minute, a pig, or to be in the abyss. I don't know whether that's a core of hell or what it is, but, but that seems to be the, the two options. And Jesus traps the demons because he gives them their wish. And the demons go into the pigs, but the pigs charge down the hill into the Sea of Galilee and are drowned when they die. They've lost their, their, their living <coughs> possession. And so I assume they return to the abyss. But the point is, the demon-possessed man is here. Jesus has brought salvation to this man's life. Just as he brought salvation to the woman we spoke about last week who lived a sinful life. He's brought salvation to this man's life. 
When those tended, verse 34, when those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. That was it, finished. He's, he's, he's a free man, released of those demons. But what's interesting, I think, is the response to it. Because you'd think that perhaps the townspeople would rejoice and be glad. You know, they've been dealing with this demon possessed man for so long. But they're not. It says they're afraid. In verse 35. When they saw him sitting at Jesus' feet, dressing his right hand, they were afraid. And then it says in verse 37 that all the people asked Jesus to leave because they were so overcome with fear. What's that about? Well, I think it's about the power they see demonstrated in Jesus. If Jesus could do that to the demon-possessed man, what might he do in their lives? They might have to face a pretty big change in their lives, mightn't they? I don't know. Perhaps they were just afraid that they lost a herd of pigs and they would lose other things. But I, I think it's more than that. I think they were afraid of change. And not only them, but the demon-possessed man who's been healed is also afraid. He wants, there's nothing more he wants to do now but to stay with Jesus. Jesus has come to him with his love and compassion and he's healed him. And so all he wants to do is to stay with his healing. He wants to become a disciple of Jesus and just stick with Jesus. He wants to go back in the boat with him. But Jesus said, no, I'm, I'm calling you to greater things than that. I want you to go to the local town and to tell Everyone you can find what God has done for you. But he's afraid. He wants to go back to Jesus. We have a, I've mentioned once or twice before, and I do mention her a lot because she's a remarkable person. We have a friend called Mary who, when in her early 20s, she ran for his trunk. She went off to Wales. She became a heroin addict. She started stealing to feed her habit. And she ended up in Holloway Prison. And when she came out of prison, a friend of hers invited her to go on an alpha course. And through that, she came to faith. And her life was utterly transformed. And she got really enjoyed in London. And her life was, was wonderful. It was great. She had a great story to tell. But then she felt God calling her to go to Africa and help the, the thousands, the hundreds of thousands, the millions of people dying of HIV AIDS. And she was terrified. She was afraid. What, who was she? Someone who had been squandered you know, in a, a cell in Holloway prison who, who shot her in her arms and, and all that kind of thing. Who was she to go to Africa and help an, an extraordinary situation of millions who have died of HIV How could How could that work out? But in the end, she overcame her fears. And she did that. And her ministry had been amazing. Now, God doesn't that's, a, that's kind of, I don't know, it's a big story if you like, but God doesn't call us all to do that kind of thing. Most of us, he calls to do in our local environment, just like he does the demon-possessed man. He says, go back to the, your town and tell the people what I've done for you. And, and I think the, the way we get over our fear is this. Just like the demon-possessed man, we have to, rather than think of ourselves, and if we do that, we will probably think we're unworthy and we couldn't possibly do anything. We have to look at the one who's calling us. 
Because when Jesus approached the demon possessed man, he said, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, he recognized who this was standing before him. And when Jesus sends him out to the town, Jesus says, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. It was Jesus who died for him. But Jesus is God in human form. And if, if it's God who has power over evil, power over nature to calm storm, if he's the one calling us, he will equip us for whatever he's calling us for. If we keep our eyes fixed on him, there's no, there's no cause to fear. There's a saying that says, <clears throat> God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Okay, so if he's calling you to something, he will equip you to do it. So what I want, uh, what I want to leave with you today is this. Let's say yes to Jesus. You know, in these in these envelopes, I've got 20 yeses <laughs> to Jesus. Um, but there are a lot more than 20 people in this room today. So let's What's Jesus saying you to? What are the things he might be calling you to? Well, here's just two or three examples. It may be that you've been coming to Samantha's for a while, but you haven't yet made a public declaration of your faith through baptism or confirmation. And I'd invite you to, if that's the case, I'd invite you to consider doing that this year or in the next 12 months because we're going to have a baptism and confirmation service here at Samantha's in the spring. And uh, we've led by the Bishop of Reading, and it's a wonderful time. And uh, if you haven't yet been baptized or confirmed, um, and, you, and you'd like to do that, consider doing that, why don't you come along? We're going to have a session in July after the morning service. So it's all in the, the search sheet, the information. We're going to have a session after the service where we're going to explore the meaning of baptism and confirmation. And, um, and if you'd like to come and just find out about more, it doesn't mean you have to commit to doing anything, just come and find out more. Come along to that session and we'll talk about it, about what it means. Because it's, it's actually a crucial step in, in our Christian walk, is making an adult profession of our faith. That's one thing we might do. This, another thing we might do is we might, like the demon possessed man, we might ask God to release us of some of the things that are holding us back. So, after the service, there will be some people who would love to pray with you if you would like some personal prayer. And they'll be standing in the by the candle over there. Um, and, uh, and if you've got, well, I call them demons, but if you've got, if there's things that are holding you back, whether it's something about relationship issues, work issues, whatever it is that's stopping you saying yes to what God's calling to you next, then why don't you come up for prayer after the service? And, and thirdly, just a thought, it may be that God's been calling you to get involved in some ministry here at St. Matthew's, whether that's helping on a coffee shop lunch stop on, on, on a Saturday, um, whether it's um, being part of the kids' church team. I don't know if you've yet seen a kids' church session, but it is absolutely amazing. The reason you saw all those children lined up here this morning is because it is fantastic out there, and it blows old Sunday school away. It's amazing. And... Uh, uh, very often people have gone and had a look at it once and said, I'm going there, that, that's, I'm called to that. And, uh, but but it, it may be everything, you may be called to mow the lawns, to mow the grass outside. Um, whatever it is, think about what God may be laying in your heart. When you come up for communion today, as you take the bread from, from, as you take the bread, imagine that you're receiving, you're saying yes to Jesus, and you're receiving the equipping that you'll need, whatever it is that he's calling you to.
And as you drink the wine, remember that the power, the power of that, that saving grace comes because Jesus gave his love for us on the cross. The cup of salvation reminds us that he shed his blood for us. And that there's nothing that we can't do if he's calling us to do it. Amen.